Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been uh, started last week teaching on expanding our horizons, and we began in Genesis chapter 13. And in Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, God spoke to Abram, and he said, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, for all the land that you would see, I will give it to you. So we talked about if we're going to possess what God wants us to possess, if we're going to expand our horizons, number one, we've got to begin to see it. Before you're going to see something on the outside, you've got to see it on the inside. But if you can get a picture of it on the inside, praise God, you can change the picture on the outside. Amen? The second thing he said in verse 17, he said, walk through the land, the length of it and the breadth of it. We said God wants you to get a revelation of where he has you going. He wants to, you know, you to smell it, to feel it, to touch it. To, he wants it to become a reality to you. Praise God. If you're struggling in the area of physical sickness, you need to begin to see yourself healed. Years ago, you know, Dodie Osteen had cancer. She nearly died. I think she got down to less than 80 pounds. And John asked the doctor. The doctor said, I can't do anything more. John carried her out of the hospital, carried her home, put her in bed, and began to speak the word of God over her. And what he did... They put pictures of the best times of her life around her to get a picture on the inside of her. you got to get a picture on the inside of where you want to go. Praise God. And if you can begin to see things on the inside, whether it's physically, whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally, whether it's spiritually, if you can get a picture of it on the inside, I believe the picture on the inside has the power to change the picture on the outside. But if you can't see it on the inside, it's going to be hard for you to see it on the outside. You know, in 1998, Barbara and I were pastoring in Kit Carson, Colorado. We went to some meetings in Littleton, Colorado that Billy Epperhart was uh, having, and Mark Hankins was preaching something, and Mark Hankins actually made me mad. It wasn't really me. It was my religion that he made mad. And, uh, you know, I just said, well, I just don't know about that. And Barbara said, he's right, and you're wrong, and you need to get over it. And I told that story already, so I'm not going to tell it again. But you know what? The Lord spoke to me. I prayed about it. The Lord spoke to me a couple of days later, and the Lord said, he is right, and you are wrong, and you need to get over it. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we just think wrong. Sometimes our religion has trained us to think in a completely wrong way, and we need to change it. So after I changed that, did you know what? Things begin to happen both spiritually and financially in our lives. Things begin to go in a new direction. Praise God. But it wasn't very long after that the Lord spoke to me and said, if you could pastor a church of 100 people and give $50,000 away to missions and other ministries, you can pastor a church of 1,000 people and give away $500,000 a year to missions and other ministries. And you know what? It took 18 years for that to come to pass, but it came to pass in the year 2016, and nearly every year since then, we have been right there 
given like that, and we give gifts in kind too, and it's supernatural what we've been able to do. But God has to, if, if I wouldn't have accepted the truth of the Word of God about that situation, I would have limited myself and I would have limited what God could do in my own life because I was thinking wrong and I had to have a change in my thinking so I could go where God wanted me to go and do what he wanted me to do. The third thing that we talked about in this scripture in verse 18, after that it says, Abram removed his tent and went and dwelt in Mamre and built an altar there. It takes the grace of God to accomplish the purpose of God. If you get connected with something that is really God's purpose, that is God's plan for your life, it's going to take the grace of God to do it. You need the grace of God. You need the ability of God. It, I believe it takes grace to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We don't do this in our own strength. We don't do it in our own power. But we do it by the grace of God and by the power of the Spirit of God. Amen? Today we're going to talk about the process by which the promise works in our life. And we're going to move to a time in the Bible about 400, a little bit over 400 years later, when Joshua was taking the children of Israel into the promised land to possess their inheritance. Did you know what? There are things that God wants you to possess. There are places that God wants you to go. There are things that God wants you to take, praise God. And if you don't take what God wants you to take, you're never going to possess what God wants you to possess. A lot of people say, hey, I want to receive that promise. I want to possess that, but they don't want to take what God tells them to take. So I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here. We're going to be reading in verse 1 through verse 9. Notice what it says. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, that have I given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites down to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There will not be a man that's able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and be of a good courage, for unto this people you will divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have not I commanded you be strong and of a good courage? Do not be afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you where 
wherever you go. Praise God. Now, there are a number of things that we're going to talk about as we go through this. But the first one that I want to talk about is God made Joshua a promise in verse 3. And he said, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you as I said unto Moses. Do you know what? God has given us all promises. But even though God has given us promises, it is not automatic that you're going to operate, that you're going to walk, that you're going to receive the promises that God has for you. If it was automatically the will of God that every person would receive all the promises and what God had for them, did you know what? Everybody would be saved. And there are a lot of people who are not saved. Did you know it is God's will according to the scripture that every person be saved? 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 says that God will have all men to be saved and, and come into a knowledge of the truth. But not every person is being saved and not every person has come into a knowledge of the truth. That means the will of God is not automatic. Because you see, it's not just about the grace of God. You see, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Grace is what God did for us in the person of Jesus when he died and rose again. You know, if it was just about the grace of God, then everybody would get everything all the time. You see, the Bible says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. But then it goes on to say this, Through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue. When you study that verse out, when it's talking about the knowledge of Jesus there, it's talking about a personal experiential relationship with Jesus. And so even though God has given us everything through grace, first of all, you've got to get to know Jesus to experience salvation. And you've got to begin to believe the promises so that you might receive them. Another scripture that goes along with this is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's God's will for everybody to be saved. But not everybody is being saved because not everybody has chosen to believe on Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It's also, I believe, God's will for every believer to receive all the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, All the promises of God in Him, in Christ, are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. God gets glory when we walk in His promises, but not everybody walks in His promises. 
Because a lot of people do not believe the promises of God. And if you don't believe what God says, it will limit your experience of what he says. So it takes faith to enter into the grace of God. So even though God made them a promise, it was going to take faith to enter into it. So let's talk just a little bit about this promise. My first point is God has a promise for you. Look at verse 3 again. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you as I said to Moses. This was God's personal promise to Moses. And God has a personal promise to each and every one of us. In fact, I love the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, that we talked about last week just briefly. And God says, I will hasten my word to perform it. I love the scripture in Psalm 138, verse 2, that says he's magnified his word above his very name. But again, if you're going to receive those promises, you've got to believe the promises. And not everybody believes the promises. I love Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. It says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You see, that is an unholy progression. If you start you know, standing, what, walking in the counsel of ungodly people, you will start standing in the way of sinners. And if you start standing in the way of sinners, you'll start sitting in the seat where people scorn you. But he goes on to say in verse 2, but his delight is in the word of God, and in it does he meditate day and night. And he will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in his season. Whatever His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I believe that is God's promise to every believer. But you see, it's conditional. Are we going to meditate in the Word of God? Are we going to keep our eyes fixed on the Word of God? Are we going to keep our eyes fixed on who God said he is and what God has said to us? He said, you got to meditate it day and night. He said, you'll be like a tree that's planted. You've got to get rooted and grounded and planted. You've got to get established in the things of God. He says, your leaf is not going to wither, and whatever you do is going to prosper. He says, thank God. He says, you'll bring forth fruit in season. I believe God wants us all to bring forth fruit. But he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. My cousin Doug is here this morning. and We came from, you know, uh, my mom's family, Doug's mom's family, my Aunt Ruth's family. They, they, they came from a family of ten brothers and sisters. And Doug and I have talked about this. But you know, the brothers and my grandparents were very godly people. And they studied the Word of God. They meditated the Word of God. They prayed on a consistent basis. And they raised their children in a very godly way. But when you look at the children, the children who served God, who honored God, who honored the Word of God, who honored the church and, and honored the Bible and, and raised their children 
up in a right way. Their children and, and you know, and grandchildren have been very, very blessed. However, the children who did not honor the Word of God, the children who did not honor the church, the children who did not honor the things of God, even though they may have been saved, their families and their children have had many, many difficulties. Many times you will see in a family, one person goes one way and another person goes the other way. And it's not because of their surroundings, it's not because of their family, it's because of personal choices that they have made. So we've got to make a personal choice to believe the promises of God. We've got to make a personal choice to believe the Word of God. God said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. Thank God I have made a decision that I'm going to believe all the promises of God, that I'm going to believe everything that God says. Sometimes it may not look like it's going to come to pass, but if God said it, I'm going to believe it. Then I put myself in a place where I can receive it. You see, years ago, there was a bumper sticker that said this. It said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, I'm here to tell you, God said it, and that settles it. If you believe it, you can receive it, but if you doubt it, you do without it. But we've got to, we have a personal choice whether we're going to believe the Word of God. Now, as we look on into Joshua chapter 1, in verse 4, notice what happened after God gave Joshua this promise. Every place the soles of your feet, you know, are going to tread, I'm giving that to you. In verse 4, it says, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down, of the sun shall be your coast. Now, all of that sounds good to me, except one thing. The Hittites. Did you know generally, once you receive a promise, and once you start believing God, you're going to face some Hittites. You're going to face some giants. You're going to face some problems. In fact, in the end of Hebrews chapter 10, if you read it, it says immediately after they were enlightened, they encountered a great fight of afflictions. You know why? Because if you're not believing God, and if you're not believing the promises, and if you're not moving forward, you are really no threat to the devil and his kingdom at all. But when you start believing God, and you start moving forward, you are, you are becoming a threat to the enemy territory. It would have been great if he said, I'm just going to give you all this land. Just go in and just walk in and enjoy it. But you know what? There were giants in that land. And sometimes when people face problems, they think, well, maybe I missed God. Well, maybe you did, but I'm going to tell you sometimes it's because you obeyed God that you're facing problems. Sometimes it's because you obeyed God that you're, you're having some difficulties and some challenges. And you know what? A lot of times when we face problems, we fail to see what it would have looked like if we would have never believed God. 
You see, Barbara had a little sister, and Barbara's sister was born with Down syndrome. Did you know what they said about Barbara's sister? They said that she would never live to be a year old. They said that she would never walk. They said that she would never do many things. But you know what? She didn't live to be a year old. She lived to be 20 years old. About two years before she went home to be with Jesus, she actually, her heart stopped in the driveway, it was on Christmas Day, and Barbara went out and laid hands on her and prayed for her, and, and her heart started beating again, and she lived two more years. Not only did she live to be 20 when they only told her that she would live to be, you know, less than a year, she walked, she rode bicycles, she rode horses, and you know what? It was very evident that she had a relationship with God, and just before she went home to be with Jesus, she graduated from high school. Praise God, that was a major, you know, victory in their life. Now, some people would say, well, the devil stole. Well, he might have stole some, but you know what? They got a lot more by believing God than they would have got if they didn't believe God. So quit looking at what the devil robbed and start thanking God for the good things that he's given you. Start looking at what he's... I, I've faced some major battles and had some major difficulties, and the Lord has spoken to me in the middle of these major difficulties, and I was in those major difficulties because I was believing God, and I was going forward. And I was taking territory. And God has spoken to me and said, Lawson, don't look at what you lost. Look at what you have. You need to look at what you've been given. You need to look at the positive side of life. Sure, you're going to face some giants. You know what? Paul, once he made a decision to follow Jesus, he, he faced a lot of problems. In fact, he was writing his son Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 8. And when Paul was writing to Timothy, Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He said, Timothy, do not be intimidated by the devil. Did you know what? The devil wants you to be intimidated. He, he, you know what? The devil will try to trash talk you. And if the devil tries to trash talk you, you just trash talk him back. You just tell him, listen, Mr. Devil, I know where you're spending eternity and I know where I'm spending eternity and I'm going to keep loving Jesus and believing God. Amen. Paul went on to say, he told Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor of me, his prisoner. You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, talking about his problems? He said, listen, I've been in prisons often. He talked about many of the problems that he faced, and most of those problems that he faced, if you read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, were because he made a decision to move forward with God and take some territory. So just because you're facing some giants doesn't mean that you miss God. You see, a lot of these people that just believe, you know, that, that God is a sovereign God and God does everything he wants to do, they think, well, if, if you're facing a problem, maybe you shouldn't have done that. And again, maybe you shouldn't, but maybe you're facing that problem because you obeyed God. You know, I had this pastor friend one time, and anytime I had a problem in my business, He'd say, well, that must not be God. You maybe should not be in that business. Well, I'm telling you, I stayed in that business for years and years, and I'm 
made hundreds of thousands of dollars with it. I made a lot more money than I lost, but I faced a few battles when I was going through those challenges. But when you're in the face of a challenge, don't give up. Keep believing God. I have one more scripture that I want to share on this, and this is Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side when he sent the multitudes away. When he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Did you know what? The path of obedience many times has contrary winds. When you think about this sea, this sea is like the waters of the world that we're getting through as we go to the other side. But you know what? You need to remember, even though you're in the midst of a storm, that Jesus has not left you. And when they were there, it says the ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, the wind was contrary, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking, they were troubled and said, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But Jesus spoke to them immediately and said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Praise God, you need to realize that even though you may be going through a storm, going through a difficulty, going through a test, going through a challenge, that Jesus is right there with you. He has never left you. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be, it be you, bid me to come to you. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Do you know what? There's a lot of people that criticize Peter because for a moment he took his eyes off of Jesus. But you know what? There was enough power in Jesus' word, come, that every one of those disciples could have got out of that boat and come to Jesus. I, you know what? I just celebrate Peter because he had enough guts to get out of that boat and walk, hallelujah, and go to Jesus. Praise the Lord. And as he did, Peter, Peter said, uh, when Peter was come down to the ship, he walked on the water. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? When they, therefore they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. So in this process of receiving the promise, once God gives you a promise, don't think it's always going to be smooth sailing. Don't think you're never going to face, it, you know, any giants. Don't fa think there's ever going to be any trouble or any problems. I remember Andrew Womack talking about this years ago when he prayed for people. So he was somewhere preaching and there were a lot of people and he was praying and one person came and she was telling him all of his problems. Problems, and he, he respectfully and kindly prayed for her. But, but then he, he said, I thought in my own mind, I wish that was all the problems that I had. I've had that same thing happen when people come sometimes. They're saying, I think I got this problem, and I think I got that problem. And some of those problems I've had myself. In fact, some of the times I'm praying for them, I have that same problem myself, and I know they don't have it because I ask them some questions. And I'm like, uh, real, really, 
You, you just don't know. But anyway, praise God, I pray for them, and I respectfully think, thank God. But, you know, sometimes it's a big deal, but if you put it, you know, next to Jesus, you know the Bible never tells you to talk to God about your mountain. Because if you're talking to God about your mountain, you're magnifying your mountain. And you don't want to magnify your mountain, you want to magnify God. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. Notice this. In verse 5, he said, There will not be any man to stand before you, be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. You need to remember that the Lord is with you. Praise God. You know, sometimes when we think we're going through major difficulties, we just need to realize the Lord is with us. He's not left us. Praise God. Jesus said, in, or Paul, the writer of Hebrews said, Hebrews 13, verse 5, the Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Thank God the Lord will never leave us. The Lord will never fix us. Uh, never forsake us. We need to look, be like Peter and, 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 and fix our eyes on Jesus and take our eyes off those problems, take our eyes off the wind and the waves and fix our eyes on Jesus. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. So we need to remember that the Lord is with us. As I said, this was a process as they were going. First, they had a promise. Then they had a problem. Then they had to remember that the Lord was with them. If we go back to Joshua, after God gives them this promise in chapter 1, chapter 2, they send spies. God speaks to Joshua, sends some spies into the land. So he says, sends these spies, and when these spies get into this land... You know what? The enemy figures out they're there and they try to come after him, but they're staying. They see one Rahab, and Rahab was a harlot, and she made her living by prostitution. But when they got to Rahab's house, Rahab hid them and protected them. You know what? Rahab was probably used to hiding people with the business that she was in, but I love her testimony. And you know what? Rahab is listed in the faith hall of fame. I just love it, you know, when the scripture talks about how Rahab believed God. You know what? Faith will help anybody anywhere. I love something that Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, faith will help you no matter how you're fettered. But in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9 through verse 11, listen to Rahab's testimony. She said to these spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land, that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of this land faint because of you. Verse 10 says, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, what you did to the kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard this thing, our heart did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord God, he is God in heaven above and God in the earth beneath. Did you know what? They had been waiting. I believe Rahab was waiting for 40 years, more than 40 years. She was waiting for them to come. My question to you 
is who is waiting on you to get up and take the territory that God has promised to you. Who is waiting on you? I listened to her testimony of faith. Our help, we heard what God did. We heard how he dried up the Red Sea. We heard how he destroyed those kings. Our hearts melted. Your God is God in heaven above and God in the earth beneath. And you know what? There are sometimes the people that are living in despicable situations, not because they really want to be there, but because they're waiting for a man of God. They're waiting for a woman of God. They're waiting for a person of God to get up and to move into the territory that God told them to possess. So they sent some spies. Then the next thing I want you to see in chapter 3, I want to read verse 9 through verse 14. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here. Here are the words of the Lord your God. He said, hereby shall you know that the living God is among you in verse 10, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. Now look at verse 14 really closely. Joshua chapter 3 verse 14. He said, or verse 11, excuse me. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. This is the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. I'm talking about we have a Bible full of promises that came from God, the creator of the universe, the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth. He goes on and he says, Now therefore take 12 men out of the tribes of Israel. Out of every uh, tribe take a man. And it will come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, uh, he says, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters uh, above that come down from the waters below, and they will stand an, in a heap, and it will come to pass when the people remove from their tents to pass over Jordan, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. In other words, when those priests carried that ark, when their souls touched that water, it backed up and the water went on down the stream and it stood up until all the children of Israel passed through. Over two million of them passed through, praise God, and they passed through on dry ground. When they got to the other side in chapter 4, he said, I want you to each tribe get a memorial stone, and I want you to set up these stones because when your children ask you in future generations about what, what these stones mean. You will tell them, look what the Lord has done. I've seen so many people healed, delivered, blessed, set free by the power of God, but they are so quick to forget what God has done. Let us never forget what God has done. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 8, God told Moses, he said, listen, I'm going to take the children 
children of Israel into a promised land. I'm going to take them into houses they did not build. I'm going to take them into fields that they did not plant. I'm going to take them into vineyards and olive yards, into trees and orchards that they did not plant. They're going to eat the fruit. They're going to get houses full of silver and gold and good things that they did not put there. And he says, when you get there, I love it. He didn't say if. He said, when you get there, remember me. Listen, we need to remember what God has done for us. We need to remember all the good things that he's done for us. We need to thank him continually. We need to be grateful for all of the good things that he has done for us. Finally, in chapter 5, they circumcised themselves again. They took Passover again. They remembered the covenant. But last of all, Joshua met Jesus. He met, he said, the captain of the armies of the Lord. Hallelujah, the captain of the armies. He, I believe it was a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. Do you know what? We can't possess what God wants us to possess. We can't go where God wants us to go. We can't accomplish what God wants us to accomplish without Jesus. And my question for you today, number one, is who is waiting on you to take your territory? But number two, have you met Jesus? Because you need Jesus to take you in to what he's promised you. Praise God, we need to know Jesus personally and intimately. Now let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. Number 1, it was the promise. Number 2, they face problems. Number 3, they, they, they have the presence of God. You need to remember, no matter what the battle is, that God has not left you, that He is with you. Finally, in verse 6, God speaks to Joshua and He says, Be strong and be of a good courage. For this people you will divide for inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. This was their possession. God wants us to possess the promises. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear lest a promise of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, after Paul had spent two years at Ephesus, he called the elders together and he spoke to them and he said, now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. God wants you to inherit the promises. He wants you to take your promised land. He was so serious about it in Numbers. If you want to go there, I want to just read this scripture. Numbers chapter 33. I've read this many times, but finally it spoke to me. I thank God for the word of God, how you read it one day and, and, and then you read it another time and it just keeps speaking to you. It's because it's a living word. But in Numbers chapter 33, verse 55 and verse 56, God spoke. This is when they were first getting to the promised land with Moses. And God wanted them to take it, but they were afraid. And he, God spoke to them about the promised land. He says this in Numbers 13, 33, excuse me, verse 55 
55 and verse 56. If you will not drive out the inhabitants from before you, then it will come to pass that there are those which you let remain of them. They will be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side, and they will vex you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it will come to pass that I will do unto you as I thought to do unto them. God wants you to take your inheritance. God wants you to overcome those problems you've been facing. Maybe they're problems with sickness. Maybe they're problems with disease. Maybe they're problems with addiction. Maybe they're problems with financial lack. Maybe they're problems with anxiety. But God wants you to take your promised land. And did you know what? Sometimes if we don't take it, those things that we don't rise up and take by faith will come back. And, and they will bug us. Amen? But you know what? I want to take my promised land. I want to take what God wants me to take. I want to go where God wants me to go. I want to do what God wants me to go do. I want to have what God wants me to have. Praise God. And so did you know what? I, I believe we need to take our inheritance. God has an inheritance for us. So first it's the promise, then it's the problem. We need to remember that God is with us. It's his presence. He hasn't left us. We need to possess what he tells us. Finally, he says, if you do that, guess what? You're going to prosper. Amen. God wants you to prosper. Look at this in verse 7 through verse 9. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not to it from the right hand to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You need to keep meditating my word. You need to keep speaking my word. But you will meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. You know what? If we want to possess what God wants us to possess, if we want to prosper the way God wants us to prosper, you know what? We need to do exactly what God tells us to do. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says this. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. Listen, I'm interested in doing exactly what God wants me to do. Amen. In fact, we're taking bold moves, the boldest moves, some of the biggest moves, some of the biggest steps of faith that we've ever taken in our life. Because we've taken them. Did you know what? There's some problems. There's some giants. There's some difficulties. But that doesn't mean God is not with us. Amen? That does not mean, hallelujah, that, that we're not going to go and possess what he called us to promise. Amen? To take. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to prosper. We're going to keep believing him. And we're going to keep moving forward and pressing the envelope into what God wants us to to do and where he wants us to go and the promised land that he wants us to take. I love the book of James. You know, the book of James is all about faith. And you know, in James chapter one, 
James talks about the wisdom of faith. If you lack wisdom, ask God. James chapter two, he talks about the action of faith. Faith without corresponding action is dead being alone. I love verse 26. In one translation, it says, just like the body without the spirit is dead, it's just a corpse being alone. Faith without corresponding action is dead without works. Chapter three talks about the words of faith. And he says, your words are like a little spark that sets on fire the course of nature. Chapter four is talking all about the humility of faith. Even when God blesses us and God helps us and God increases us as we, as we believe him, I never want to become arrogant. I never want to become proud. I want to remember ultimately it's about the grace of God. But finally, in James chapter 5, he talks about the patience of faith. And you know what? If you're going to really have faith work in your life, you got to keep being patient. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. My conclusion is really very simple. If we're going to have what God wants us to have, we're going to have to take what God take, tells us to take. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.